continuing on this week in 2 Samuel, chapter 7. Let me just read part of it to you first of all. After the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a palace of cedar, while, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. Hmm. Okay. We're following through the story of David and his dealings in this book. See his heart. He's concerned for God. Concerned, here am I in this place, but what about God? Remember the, the presence of God was represented in those days by the, the ark. There it is in the tent. And uh, that's a good thing. Good thing to be saying, what does God want? What some of you did just now. You know, when we're talking about children's ministry. Some of you said, hmm, I know what I don't want. Well, that's all right. And then some of you said, Lord, what do you want? Dangerous but good. Always good to be saying, Lord, what do you want? Uh, we've got lots of preferences, lots of ideas, lots of opinions, lots of ways in which we want things to happen, but it's good to say, Lord, what do you want? Concern for what God wants. Of course, we can't really prescribe what God wants. You know, it's like if you ask somebody, what do you want for dinner? And you already decided they're going to have sausage, chips and beans. It's not like a genuine request. You know, you've kind of already decided and... It, it, it kind of looks as though you're asking them, but really you've already settled what it's going to be. That you, can't really, you can't really get to God like that. You can't get into the will of God like that. It doesn't work. You have to come kind of like with a blank sheet. You can't come with a sort of preordained idea of uh, what, what you want God to answer. And so you want God just to rubber stamp the thing that you want anyway. You've got to come with an open heart and uh, and an open mind in that. And of course, um, David uh, kind of, you might have hoped, would have learned that from the previous chapter when he decided, remember, bring the ark back. And he decided... uh, that he'd bring it back on the car, and that had disastrous uh, results. Um, he was certainly entering in to a form of worship, but he wasn't doing what God actually required. He was doing what he decided. And 
the whole issue is it's got to be what God wants. And uh, he's God. You've just got to, you know, let him be God because he is God. It don't work any other way. It's this whole business of submitting to what he wants. And so I don't know that he'd quite got it right there. Um, and of course, uh, he did learn. He got it right a second time. So now he's, he's kind of in the right direction. Do remember, of course, when we look at David, we're looking after somebody who God said he's somebody, a man after my own heart. And I always find this encouraging because he makes one bog up after another. But there's something about his readiness to repent, his willingness to be corrected and to change, that somehow... Um, makes that pleasing to God. It kind of doesn't, to me, justify getting it wrong and bogging up and all that sort of thing. What it does say is that there is a God that allows for the fact that we will, even though he doesn't intend that we do, but makes a way back to him. We can come back to him. We're not disqualified. Uh, God is not a God of instant disqualification. And so... He, he begins to ask this question. Here am I living in a palace of seed. You can see how the way his mind's working. And then uh, Nathan replies to him, uh, yes, um, whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it for the Lord is with you. Uh, seems kind of good and right. Um, You know, it does make you kind of real, real cautious in the right way. See, we're reading something here, um, which is, which is a story, and God speaks to us through it. That's His purpose. That's what He does. But we also need to understand that some of these things are kind of reiterated, and. Uh, if we look in the New Testament, uh, it's in uh, actually 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 11. Um, will you flip that up, Clive? 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 11. Here is a very, very alarming thing. Um, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. I see kind of danger signals there. Oh, it's very exciting that God will do that. But the fact that, that he would do that makes me want to make sure that the purpose that I'm pursuing is his. Because I don't want to go down a particular course that the goodness of God will actually um, help me and see a fulfillment of a plan but it's missing out on exactly what God wants. And when God says, you know, do, do whatever, at that point you don't race off and just do what's in your head. 
at that point, you kind of say, I'll do nothing except the Lord go with me. There's a place of real, it's a place of release. It's an exciting position, but it's a place of caution as well. Say, Lord, what do you want? And so Nathan responds, and uh, it is really important as we go through these things that we, we do take the time to apply them. Uh, because otherwise it can just be, oh, well, that's a story and that's what happened then. But remember, this is God speaking to us in the here and now. And um, we can get carried away, but we want to get it right. We can get taken up with various responses like we've seen and like possibly Nathan made before he got corrected. And um, you don't really want to be going off in the wrong direction whether it seemed logical or whether the enthusiasm of the moment or whether not wanting to kind of spoil the party when everything's a success or simply forgetting to ask God anyway or just saying something because, you know, whatever th first thing came into your head. I suppose um, in the goodness of God we see Next verse, verse 5, that, or verse 4, that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says, are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I've been moving from place to place with the tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built a house of cedar? Wouldn't you think at that point Nathan is beginning to get the feel that there might be a bit of correction coming here? Yeah? W would you feel that if it was you, you know, there's a kind of one minute, God, you're not expressing great abundant enthusiasm that I... I pick up my deep powers of perception cause me to feel that, that there's a different direction coming in here. Of course, um, the advantage is that uh, his heart is in the right place, his heart is open before God and he can be corrected. And uh, um, whatever seemed good and right uh, is not the same as whether it's God. Uh, and... Uh, just simply seeming good and right is not sufficient. And we understand that there can be uh, great encouragement in the prophetic and there can be danger. Uh, we want to always to recognize that uh, the prophetic, uh, which we live by, still has to be weighed. It has to be weighed so we put it into practice. It has to be weighed so that if we decide that that is not God's word, we don't go down a wrong track. That is how he teaches us to handle uh, the prophetic. So he was quick to respond, Nathan was, but uh, God corrected him and he was open to God and therefore the merciful nature of God um, enabled him to uh, come at it a second time. Of course, when he heard that correction, he could have responded differently. Um, he could have lived in the world, well, you know, 
if I correct this, it's going to undermine my credibility. I don't want to be seen to be wrong. Um, David might not like it. Uh, it's a bit late now. I've already said uh, that go ahead with it. Um, what, how could I put some spin on this to try and like a, be like a politician to kind of turn it round without actually appearing to contradict myself? But he didn't get into any of that. He played it um, very, very straight. Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Now comes the word of the Lord. And as we look at this and these next few verses, I want to um, underline again how important it is that we understand that we are reading this and it's an account of something that happened. But every word, because we're reading and coming to the living word of God, every word that was spoken then is relevant now as the Holy Spirit enlightens it to us. So every opportunity exists to enter in as though these things were being said directly to us. Because within this, there will be things that God is saying to us in the, in the here and now. So he says, now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be a ruler over my people Israel. So, where has he taken you from? You know, let's, let's kind of enter into this. Because we're going to come into, a, in a few minutes, we're going to come into turning this back into testimony and praise. Where's he brought you from? If I was to come round and say, where has God brought you from? What has he brought you out of? I guess pretty much everybody would be able to say something quite real and quite specific. Isn't that worth thanking God for? Yeah. See, we need to help ourselves sometimes and dwell on that. God brought me out of this particular sin or that particular futility or that wrong direction. I could have stayed in that, but God brought me. That's what he's done. I have been with you wherever you have gone. Anybody agree with that? No? No. I've cut you off from all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men of the earth. That's us. That's us. Oh, not as measured by this world. You won't see it in the newspapers and on the television news. You see it writ large in heaven. Son of the living God. Born again by the Spirit of God. Related to the King of Kings. The name which is above. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they did at the beginning. Does that speak about being seated together with him in heavenly places? Does that speak about being under the shadow of his wing? 
Wicked people will oppress them, will not oppress them anymore, as they did at the beginning. And I have, and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men and with floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. That was some report. That was some revelation. And I would like us to pick out some bits that apply to us as we come to worship. He will correct us when we're wrong, but he'll never withdraw his love from us. Yeah? Anybody pleased about that? Anybody prepared to say, I'm glad you'll never withdraw your love from me? I live in the security of that promise. Yeah? As we go through that, let's make sure we make use of that. So, yep, uh, promises are for us. Correction as to who is to build and revelation. The entire, the David, Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. Let me see what God has done. Let me see what God would say. I'd like to take these sheets. I want us in this time to focus on God's heart towards us, both in the scriptures that we have just read through together. Now, this was a, a prayer or prophetic prayer uh, written by uh, Mother Teresa. I thirst for you. It's true. I stand at the door of your heart day and night. Even when you're not listening, even when you doubt it could be me, I'm there. I await even the smallest sign of your response, even the least whispered invitation that will allow me to enter. I know you through and through. I know everything about you. The very hairs of your head I've numbered. Nothing in your life is unimportant to me. I have followed you through the years. I have always loved you 
Even in your wanderings, I know every one of your problems. I know your needs and your worries. And yes, I know all your sins. But I tell you again that I love you. Not for what you have or haven't done. I love you for you. For the beauty and dignity my Father gave you by creating you in his own image. It's a dignity you've often forgotten. A beauty you've tarnished by sin. But I love you as you are. And I've shed my blood to win you back. If you only ask me with faith, my grace will touch all that needs changing in your life. And I will give you the strength to free yourself from sin and all its destructive power. Thirst for you? Yes? That's the only way to even begin to describe my love for you. I thirst for you. I thirst to love you and to be loved by you. That's how precious you are to me. I thirst for you. Come to me and I will fill your heart and heal your wounds. I will make you a new creation and give you peace. Even in all your trials, I thirst for you. Does this sound good? No? It's, it's okay to kind of respond, you know. It's all right to express an agreement or even the slightest bit of sort of joy and happiness about what is a very moving thing. You must never doubt my mercy, my acceptance of you, my desire to forgive, my longing to bless you, and, my l and live my life in you. I thirst for you. If you feel unimportant in the eyes of the world, that matters not at all. For me, there is no one any more important in the entire world than you. I thirst for you. Open to me, come to me, thirst for me, give me your life, and I will prove to you how important you are to my heart. No matter how far you may wander, no matter how often you forget me, no matter how many crosses you may bear in this life, there is one thing I want you to always remember, one thing that will never change. I thirst for you just as you are. You don't need to change to believe in my love. For it will be your belief in my love that will change you. You forget me, yet I'm seeking you every moment of the day, standing at the door of your heart and knocking. If you find this hard to believe, then look at the cross. Look at my heart that was pierced for you. Have you not understood my cross? All your life, I've been looking for your love. I've never stopped seeking to love you and be loved by you. You've tried many things in your search for happiness. Why not try opening your heart to me right now more than you have ever before? Whenever you do open the door of your heart, whenever you come close enough, you will hear me say to you again and again, not in mere human words, but in spirit, no matter what you've done, I love you for your own sake. Come to me with your misery, with your sins, with troubles and needs, with all your longing to be loved. I stand at the door of your heart and knock. Open to me, for I thirst for you. David then makes his response. King David went in 
and sat before the Lord. Who am I, O sovereign Lord? And what is my family? Remember, he's already just spoken. God has spoken to him about his family. What is my family that you've brought me this far? And if this were not enough in your sight, O sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. Is this your usual way of dealing with man, O sovereign Lord? What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O sovereign Lord, for the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant. How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. There is no God but you. As we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself and to make a name for himself and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods from before your people, whom you redeemed from Egypt. You have established your people Israel as your very own forever, and you, O Lord, have become their God. And now, Lord, keep forever the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house. Do as you promise so that your name will be great forever. And men will say, the Lord Almighty is God over Israel. And the house of your servant David will be established before you. O Lord Almighty God of Israel, you have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you. So your servant has found courage to offer you this prayer. O sovereign Lord, you are God. Your words are trustworthy. You have promised these good things to your servant. Now be pleased to bless the house of your servant that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, O sovereign Lord, have spoken. With your blessing, the house of your servant will be blessed forever. Two main themes there, three main themes. One is the amazing nature of God. Two is thankfulness for what he has done. And three is taking hold of the promise for his household going forward. There is none like you. We'll continue in praise again in a bit, but I think it'd be good uh, to hear as part of our thanksgiving what God's been doing amongst us. And I'm particularly keen to hear from Michael. No, not from me. Miloj and Sarah, I think you're particularly keen to hear from. Come on, chaps. And these, these are two of our young people, as you can see. And as you know, fantastic. Um, and I really wanted to, to let you guys hear some of the fantastic stuff that God's been up to this summer. Now, there's been a lot of, of, of stuff going on with the youth recently in terms of looking to meet with God. And there's been the whole build-up to Here Comes the Boom uh, and the like. And that stuff just carries on. Uh, and I wanted us to really use this to really hear a little bit more about what God's been doing uh, so that we can can really, really catch hold of that and consider that as, as part of what, what we've been discussing here. These, these are our guys. Let's, let's hear what God's been up to in them. Um, so, Lodge, you went to Soul Survivor, didn't you, with, with the guys, with a, with a bunch of the youth. 
Um, and Mike Pedavacci, the kind of talky, leadery bloke there, was giving a, a bit of a talk, and, and all week you kept hearing him. And every time he'd say, all right, come up to the front if you want to kind of respond to what I've said or, or respond to God in any way. Um, and kind of on the last day, you heard him say that. It was going to be for the last time. Um, and you decided to, to do something. What, what happened? What did you decide to do? Um, uh, before that, on the first day and second day, I was quite scared to go in front. But on the last day, I was pretty scared still, but I went in front. And I went with him, Sia, and Owen. And, yeah, start praying and I'm of God. Fantastic. And so ha- what, what was that like? How did you know that was going on? Um, <laughs> You're describing to me how you kind of, everything seems to drop off. Your mind kind of went blank and you just kind of knew God's presence. Is that is that correct? Fantastic stuff. Good. Excellent. That's awesome, isn't it, guys? Isn't that fantastic? Thanks a lot. So as you heard there, Sia went up with a lodge as well. Uh, why did you go up, Sia? Um, I just felt the need to, like, go up because I wanted to know more of God and, like, meet more of God. Uh, and so when you were being prayed for, what happened? Uh, um, I just felt his presence and, like, um, I knew that he loved me. Fantastic. That's really excellent. Thank you very much, Sia. That's brilliant. Again, isn't that fantastic stuff? Yeah, and those are our young guys that, yeah, we're just seeing again and again God really beginning to move. And guys have been praying, lots have been put into that. Um, and they're stepping forward and God's really honoring that. And we're really seeing that, that begin to come forward. It's really, really awesome. So exciting. Great. Thanks, Michael. Hey, to know the presence of God. That, that's fantastic to know he loves you to feel his presence uh, there's only you two that went to Soul Survivor is that? just the two of you nobody else went anybody else go God do anything for them anything they could tell us I'm sure I saw um, yes that's who I saw coming in come on you oh, let's hear what God's been doing uh, so only, God only at work with the guys, of course, girls don't count today. I can understand that, you know, uh, if there was anybody that, you know, got something to tell us about God's goodness that was female, so that we don't leave it all to the men, then they could come now as well. Okay. Well, um... I think one of the first ways that I kind of really felt God's love demonstrated was like the youth leaders we had there, because you know they looked after us so well, and even when we were like quite annoying, um, <laughs> it happens. I think one one of the the best things was um, Greg was drive was driving us on the way back, so he woke up at five in the morning to pick us up at eleven. The thing is, we broke down, and it took fourteen hours to get home, and so you know he was our driver for twenty three hours, and that's a lot to kind of lay down really and he has to take the hire car back the next morning as well so it's um that's quite a good demonstration i thought uh also uh this this year i'm going to go to robert clack which is my new my new school and i was feeling a bit anxious about it because you know i was i've been in mayfield for five years and and i like that school i've got good friends there i know everyone and um 
But, you know, so I was praying about it. And I kind of, um, the guy was talking about how we have God's spirit living in us. And I kind of felt God say to us, say to me, if I have his, if I have his spirit in me, you know, why I shouldn't be, have anything to worry about. And, you know, I've had that kind of reaffirmed to me by other people as well. So it's, uh, I got a lot from that. Excellent. Good. Did God meet with you at Soul Survivor? Did God meet with you there? Uh, yeah, he, he did. What, ha what happened? <laughs> what happened? Uh, well, it was throughout... <laughs> it, was, it was throughout the week. Uh, several seminars like, were talking about different things. And uh, quite a few of them fitted together because like, I felt like God wanted me to do something. And... Uh, then other people prayed for me in one of the um, big meetings and they all came up with words for me which fitted perfectly with what I felt he wanted me to do. So I did that and then after the next, uh, the, ne the last worship, I just felt like really, really happy throughout the whole thing. And yeah, I just, yeah, I was jumping around and stuff. And yeah. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. David did it, so I guess it's all right for you to do it. Jack? Um, yeah, Salsa was the first time for me, and just being there, it was such, such an amazing atmosphere, because you just felt like, <laughs> just like, felt part of a massive family, it was a lovely community. And that's did you all girl. dress in those strange things? <laughs> <laughs> the girls were quite crazy at the, um, yeah, at the camp. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's the girls tend to be like that, but Men are more sensible. Um, at one of the meetings, um, Mike was talking about feeling enough, like, for God. So um, he asked anyone to come up the front who, was, who wanted to pray for that. And I went up, and I met this really amazing um, youth feeder. And I still remember her name. She, was, she prayed for me, and she just changed how, how I felt about it. And now I feel like I'm really enough for God, and I don't have to worry about that. Mm, excellent. It's really great being around other Christians because in your school you can often feel like you're one of the only ones with lots of different faiths and stuff. But it was great to see how many different young people there were, and they, like the atmosphere was really great. Like, mm. yeah, I think one of the favourite things for me out of Soul Survivor was that atmosphere because like it, you just go to like this huge tent with like twenty thousand people in, and you're all just like jumping around worshiping God, and it's just so amazing because like they're all there because they want to be there and they want to meet with God. And you're there because you want to be there and you want to meet with God. And, like, I think one of the favorite things for me as well was the seminars and the late night worship especially because it was really, like, peaceful and you could always, like, feel the presence of God, like, there. Mm. Um, yeah, so I really enjoyed it because there was, like, I hadn't realized, but a few weeks before I'd been starting to get, like, really scared about the certain things and, like, so certain dreams I was having. And then once at the... Um, one of the worship times, I, was, I just kind of, I realized it, and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I really, like, just um, cried out to God, and I just felt his peace come on, like, mm. like, straight away. It was amazing. I haven't felt scared at all. Mm. So, <laughs> so just before you go, what, what I'm picking up is pretty significant in terms of being... Um, set free from anxieties and fears, things that 
you know, people can say, oh, you don't need to worry about it, but that doesn't really change the inside. And also, um, enjoying the presence of God. Yeah. Where would you rate enjoying the presence of God? I mean, out of ten. Ten, yeah. Uh, would you say that you've ever experienced anything to compare with really enjoying the presence of God? <laughs> oh, okay, just wanted you to make me point. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Who is like unto him? This God changes us from the inside. You could, as we just said, say a thousand times, so we don't need to worry about that. And you could put on a, an exterior of not worrying. But change from the inside. Change so that fears or anxieties are removed. Issues of unforgiveness are, are dealt with. Things that that only God can bring. That's what we're celebrating. That's what we're rejoicing in. This God who can heal us, who's strong, who's mighty on our behalf, the very things that we've just been reading are exactly what we can and do and many of us will testify to having experienced. Let's just come again now. We're coming to a time and just spend some time praising God. We use that PowerPoint. How great is our God? Have you got that one? I know we've used it before, but I just think it's good that we actually recognize things that God's doing amongst us. Yeah? And then I'll tell you what, as we worship, as we praise God, if you have a testimony, if you've got something that God has been doing in you, with you, for you, then make your way up and... Uh, Appropriate point, we just sort of break in and hear what God's been doing for you. Hear what God's been changing in you. But let's, as we praise God, let's focus on both what we've read from the Mother Teresa kind of prophetic thing and David's prayer. Is this your usual way of dealing with man, O Sovereign Lord? Is this your usual? I mean, there's a sense of awe uh, in that. Is, is this what you do? This is God himself. What more can, can David say? This is David himself speaking. For the sake of your word and according to will, you've done this great thing. Anybody be able to join David? You know? Yeah? Anybody remember a great thing that God's done? No? Yeah? Is it worth saying? Is it worth declaring? Is it worth thanking him for? Yeah? Come on, let's join together. How great is our God. How great is his name.